Welcome to First Frames First, episode 72. Hi-oh! I'm one of your hosts, Jason. And I'm the other host, the better host, the more handsome host, Debatable. more talented host, Adrain Constatin. I'm the third host today, Luke Barlow. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Luke. Welcome. We spent a whole episode just... That's not a knife. He is Australian. The amount of times I've heard that, it's embarrassing. That's not a knife. That's a spoon. So, um, welcome, Luke. Welcome. Luke is lives in BC. He works as a camera assistant, a first camera assistant. He does a lot of work on a lot of very big shows. And, and we're going to get into that. <laughs> but first. Right after these breaks. Who are we? Nobody's. Speak for yourself. Okay. We're Canadian filmmakers with the dream of surviving financially on the backs of our films. Welcome to our show where we bring people along on our film journey. Maybe, maybe we can learn a thing or two. Maybe we can teach people a thing or two while drinking beers. I mean, if you can't drink beers while filmmaking, what's the point? We are Fable Forest Films, failing our way to success. Welcome to Jurassic Park. I mean, our show. First frames first. I don't know. I, well, see, come back. Because here's the thing. <laughs> Someday we're going to have, like, commercials. Yeah. That's not, not today. Make. Welcome to Squarespace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you have a website, yeah, I'm going to read some stuff from some guys. <laughs> have you driven the new tw- ni- uh, 2019 Chrysler Pacifica? <laughs> <laughs> Electric seats that go down. Now in hybrid. <clears throat> Welcome, Luke. It has Welcome. to be. Welcome to the real show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. <clears throat> okay, so Luke, give us a little background there. Uh, tell us about you and where you started in the film industry and why. Right, I've been in the film industry about 20 years now. I started Jesus. out a long time ago as a lowly, lowly PA on a little film uh, shot in Sydney, Australia called Moulin Rouge. Holy shit. Yeah, yeah. it was great. Uh, so I did that for about three months. And then I jumped onto another little film called uh, Star Wars Episode Two: Attack of the Clones. Little film. Did that for about a month. And this is all as a PA? This is all just as a PA. Or in Australia, it's called unit, a unit department, a unit assistant. Mm-hmm. So it deals with Locations. garbage bins. <laughs> easy shades. Yeah, pop-up tents, easy yeah, shades. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, anything to do with the production. How much garbage uh, yeah. is on a Star Wars set? There's a lot of garbage on every set. Every the set. waste in the film industry is... Pretty atrocious. Ridiculous. Like, bags and bags of just food, but... Like, every end of a film day, it's the location PA's jobs to get all the garbage bags, and they throw it in the back of a truck. And I would say, on an average film set, there's probably 50 to 80 bags of garbage every day. Every day? Every day. And even the food, they, you can't even... They've tried to set up things where they can take... Because we get catering, obviously. Three meals a day. Fantastic catering. Plus, there's also just this thing called Crafty, which is a huge tent. Snacks. Full of snacks. Like, all day, every day. Plus, hot snack. We get sandwiches. and uh, Those were the like, best sandwiches ever. Like, there's so much food on set. And you can't actually give it away. Because you can't pack it up and drop it down to the people that need it because they think that it's 
you know, they could have stuff in it, and then they're legally not allowed to do it. I think they try if to. Somebody gets sick, you'll be in big gets trouble. Sick and the company, the company that makes the food, will be in big trouble. Yeah, so it's so it's, they're just not worth it. Yeah. It's shocking the amount of wastage, but it's you know, it's now that it I, I have I have seen uh, on the line. Uh, some folks getting pretty irritated about the amount of waste in the film industry and getting... So I always assumed, you know, this was just, you know, people being particularly precious about things these days. Um, but it is a legit... It is pretty crazy. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, there's a lot of big pushes now for going green, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, even just printing out scripts. And uh, I've done a lot of work in TV. Yeah. Oh, the amount of paper... If you're printing a script for every member of the crew, oh no, not even that. That's that's nothing. If you do a TV series, and say episode one hundred and one, you know it's going to be fifty pages, forty five pages. That's just the first revision. That's just the first draft. There is up. There's like salmon, rose, goldenrod, and every time they print out new scripts of each episode and plus they revisions, give it, they give it to everyone. Yeah, well, everyone gets emailed. To... They get emailed, but they, they get emailed out, but. They also print out, like, it'll get to a point where it'll be, okay, new draft. Okay, then there's the goldenrod revisions of the green draft. And so someone's got to collate all these things in the scripts, and they get to a point where they've got too many revisions, so they reprint out a new, like, salmon draft. And that's just one episode. When you're doing 22 episodes... All right, what is the goldenrod version? Well, I can't remember the ranking. It's... Yeah. Th- there's, there's a, there's these are a, just the different white, stages of the same draft. Yeah, the yes. white. The and what did you say the one was? The salmon draft. The sam- The one. Not the first pink. draft is white. Salmon. So it's man pink. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay. And I forget the thing. Do you know the I don't, thing? No, I don't know there's, the order because I've never done it. But there's like, green. But it starts with blue. It goes blue. Green. Yeah. It it just moves salmon, through the color so you know golden how many rods have, have happened. Yeah. And you just and and you can do just a couple pages. They can be just a couple of blue just a couple pages, pages. In script. Yeah, but or you can get a whole script that's blue. Exactly. And so like for example, I'm on the show right now, Virgin River, and I just got emailed blue schedules. So they release a white schedule, but now there's blue schedules because it's an updated schedule. Um so it's things like that. Um I delete all the script stuff because I don't read it, but <coughs> I don't care. Uh So but, Luke Yes. After you worked on Star Wars, oh. Star Wars, he's worked on some huge movies. So can I just say, I because this is what I do, uh, jump in and tell irrelevant stories. But <laughs> it's true. Uh, Moulin Rouge. Um, my wife's best friend. We went just before we got married. We went out to visit her and her husband, and her husband basically wooed his wife with that Elton John song. Your song. That's the one. Your song. From Moulin Rouge. Uh, and she fell in love with him. And it's a great song. So I'm just telling you that... Uh, uh, which is an excellent segue happened. into... While filming that sequence, Ewan McGregor and Nicole Kidman, it's part of the Elephant Love Song medley. Mm-hmm. I, at that point, decided that I wanted to be an actor. I could do that. I want to be doing that. Up there, singing and dancing. So I then went and studied acting for a year. And I got an agent and, you know, did some, you know, day play roles and some Australian, Australian, drama, Australian, TV, Australian drama. TV drama. But um, my my most famous role to date is a featured background on another little movie shot in Sydney called The Matrix Reloaded. 
featured background, and probably at least once every six months, someone will come up to me on a film set and go, man, I was watching Matrix Reloaded last weekend, and I, was, and I saw this thing fly up, pop up, and I thought, was that was that Luke? And I rewinded it, and it was you, man. How old were you? I was like, I was 18. <laughs> and, Did uh, you get elbowed by Keanu Reeves? What, no, what, no. what, did you have what to do scene are we looking for? Yeah, so is there's a scene. It's it's a Matrix Reloaded. There's a scene where uh, Neo, Morpheus, and Tr- Trinity go to see the Merovingian, which is the mm-hmm. French mm-hmm. guy mm-hmm. in the restaurant, and he makes he's married to uh, yes, and yep. he makes the girl yeah yes, with, with yeah. but more important, what's his name Le- not Lambert. Um, what's, his what's name? more important than He's married to making someone making someone orgasm with your mind. I actually, I don't know who's married to. Shoot. Oh, he in real life. No, 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 no. His character. Oh, right. Yes, uh, Monica oh, Bucelli, yes. because she's married to Vincent Castle yeah. in real life. And I was like, Do you, I, I think he means that, but there's not the per- anyway. Uh, yeah. So Bellucci, 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 Bellucci. Anyway, so they they to get down the Merovingian, they walk into an elevator, and I'm actually. There's four people in the elevator. There's this girl with blonde hair, and I'm on the left. This strapping young, short man. <laughs> uh, I'm it's good because you can't be taller than the actors. Yes, and then and then kind of we we kind of walk into the elevator, and Morpheus turns around and does this little look like saying, like, "No, this elevator's full," and you can see us in the reflection in his dope glasses. Mm-hmm. Um, Excellent. But that's it. That's and, cool. And then. Funnily enough, about last year, I happened to do a pilot for uh, Seth Rogen uh, that was... As an AC? As an AC. Uh, that was... Uh, the cinematographer, was or DP, was a guy by, by the name of Bill Pope. And he was the DP cinematographer on The Matrix Reloaded. And I went up to him and said, Hey, Bill, we've actually worked together before. And he's like, oh, really? When was that? And I said, back in 2000. On Matrix Reloaded, <laughs> and then I showed him a screenshot, and he uh, laughed. He laughed. He laughed. <laughs> yeah. Um, because people know the cinematographer of the DP is the boss of the camera department, so essentially he was my boss. But it was a nice little, uh, fun little gag, you know, little bonding moment between us, which was good. That's cool. That's cool. Yep. Very cool. Very cool. And how did you guys meet? On a film set. Yeah. Which one was it actually? Was it in his shoes? Oh, the MO dubs. Yeah. We did that in the Christmas log back to back. Christmas log show. Chris back to back. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was it. Yeah. yeah. And you were with Austin. That's right. Right. And I was with Ted Overton. Ted Overton, who moved back to Toronto actually yes. and works at Sim Video now. Does he really? Yeah. He he got in touch with me and he was like he was like, Hey, so I work at Sim Video or it's a video it's a rental house and he was like, So for all your video rental needs, get in touch. Wow. Yeah. So he moved to BC and then he came back to Toronto because hmm. BC sucks. He went on to be a director in Big Brother or something I oh, heard he? at one point. Yeah. In TV? Yeah. Yeah, that, that would probably bring him back to Toronto in a heartbeat. Yeah. But, uh, yeah it was How do you direct to... Big Brother? You just make sure the cameras are rolling. Yeah, so, so TV, uh, directing in TV... <laughs> Don't they roll all the time in Big yeah, Brother? Well, directing in TV and directing in film and television series is a lot different. Mm-hmm. So directing in TV, you... We're almost in charge of... The, you're almost like the cinematographer in film. So you set up the camera angles 
make sure the camera, okay, camera one, you do a two shot, camera three, you're on a wide shot, camera one, and then there's, say, well, in Big Brother, there's like 50 cameras, but you, you can live switch and edit, it's not a locked in edit, but you live switch and offline edit yeah. on the fly, and so you... So you kind of stand there and go at three in the morning when one guy likes like... Like camera two, camera two. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And so, and I've done a bit of TV, and so you generally in your you'll have a headset on that has a there's a guy on a microphone just like this. He's going camera four coming to you in three. Okay, great. Okay, great. Now five widen out to the two shot. Okay, great. Now coming to you in. Okay, camera one set back for wide. That's it. Five, four. Great, great, yes. Number three, zoom into a single kind object. It's kind of like my sex tape. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're like, it's like mm. that. And and it just runs constantly. And when you Whoa. see the TV op- operator, the camera operators, they have the big headsets on, and then the microphone. So basically, they're getting told what to do. They're getting told to do zoom in, zoom out, and then they have a they have a red light which blinks, which is called the tally light. Which means you're you're live. That you are live to the edit, yeah. and then and the classic thing. In, in film, in TV, anything, they call a thing called red red light fever. Mm-hmm. Was when you know you you're doing something and then the red light comes up and you freeze. because uh, it's so because you're so freaky. Because right? you're so freaked oh, out. It's my camera. It's my camera. And, like, uh, and you know, being a camera assistant, that's part of my job is working when they're recording as being a focus point. So when you're doing um, Big Brother, right. and there's 50 cameras, do you get a special bonus? If your camera is the uh, is is used in the edit more than your buddy's camera, no. who just cannot operate properly, <laughs> this, well, no. I, don't even, I, I bet you in Big Brother, there's not even an operator on the cameras. I think the cameras are just sitting there. There might be some hides and hide through the uh, the yeah the big guys on peds behind the um the the, the one sided mirrors. Yeah, I bet you the cameras are just sitting there though. Now, no, they're being peds. Cameras. Oh yeah, that'd be say the Big Brother. Each room would have the each room would have at least one wall or two walls of uh, one way mirrors. Mm-hmm. There'd definitely be guys on peds. Mm-hmm. You'd have the remote cameras, you know, outside up high. You know, some remote cameras like bathrooms. Now we have a guest who's done tons of things. We should stop conjecturing about Big Brother. Okay. Now, sure. Let's get to the real important issue. Yeah. Your mustache. <laughs> what is happening? I love it. Yeah, I don't know. I just. Listen, I, I was just, it was just a joke. I was just shaving my beard, and I was like, you know what, I'm going to leave my mustache. And then I went to a family event, and as a joke, expecting people to be like, hey, what's that horrible thing on your face? When are you going to cut that? And no one said anything. <laughs> right? So there's two things. Obviously, like, number one, they, don't, they hate me, and they don't care about me, and they don't even look at me. Or number two... They see through you. Exactly. Or number two, the mustache really suits my face so much that they don't even notice. In which case, I should probably keep it for a bit. Or, I or think they were th- like, he's trying to be a man. And it's adorable. <laughs> I think I look... Just let him keep... I think I look incredible. I, I think you do. <laughs> I think you do. The, the, the only... <laughs> Thank you. The only other South African man I know has a mustache. So, to me, it just... Oh, really? it. It's just It's actually South African. I think it's South African. Oh, but it does suit your face. It's actually so inconspicuous, you don't notice it until you say something. Yeah. And then it moves like a big fat worm on top of your yeah. lip. <laughs> I call it my shongololo. Oh. Yeah. What is that? A shongololo is like a centipede in South Africa. Oh. Yeah. 
So this is my shongololo. Do you want me to tickle you with my shongololo? No, do you want to see my shongololo? <laughs> That's exactly. Heather looked at me. I was like, it's my shongololo. And Heather was like, what? Because <laughs> it doesn't sound And like then he asked the same question. No. She was like, no. <laughs> I actually shaved my shongololo. That's not my face. <laughs> it doesn't sound like a face thing. It definitely sounds like a penis thing. Yeah, it does. Speaking of, speaking of. You guys have a lot of kids in this house uh, right now. Mm-hmm. Luke is visiting because his wife is uh, On gallivanting the world yeah. with your wife. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Well, I actually introduced Adrian to his wife. This is true. So this I, is true. I went out, uh, like we were working together and we were, our, our relationship was developing. And, mm, and we were becoming good buddies. Good buddies. They're very similar. similar yeah. And, and then uh, he, he just invited me out one night to come for drinks when... My co- when Heather was visiting his wife Megan, who was your girlfriend at the time. Yes, and so because they went to pharmacy school together. They went to pharmacy school together. So I went to the restaurant, and actually just ignored my wife, who was at the other end of the table and sat next to her parents, which were there, and had a great night. And then was that, the, that the Yaletown Brew Pub? I can't remember where it was. Okay. Yeah, it was somewhere in Yaletown. Yeah, okay. but uh, and then uh, you know Heather would remember. Yeah, she would. And then the next day, you know, you both had to work. Megan mm-hmm. had to work. Luke had to work. And I was like, so Heather and I just hung out. And then I left Vancouver and moved to Ontario. Yes. And so I blame Heather to this day for taking my best friend away. Yeah. <clears throat> Never have I met a man as much as I loved Adrian. I mean, you're, you're talking at the camera as if Heather watches this show ever. No. She doesn't. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> she doesn't. I, I have no doubt. <laughs> what are your views at? Like 100? No. Oh, that, no. <laughs> no. That, that's just on YouTube. That Those are the friends whose arms we've been able to twist. That's right. To subscribe. Oh, so they press YouTube. play, then they go into the kitchen and make dinner. That's right. Okay, great. 100%. And uh, um, so, so this is just us and six six people, mainly family. Yep. Jay's dad. Oh. Oh, oh our viewers. The viewers 100%. 100%. Yeah, so there's a lot of... But, we watch it three times each. But there's a lot of kids here. So we both have two kids each. So there's four and, kids under... Five. Under four. Under four. And it's busy. Oh. We're not on holiday. Like, no. Like it, it, I go to work to work 14 hours a day, five days a week to go on holiday. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Get out of the house with the little babies. So are you guys are, are you guys having a good time is what I'm asking. Yeah. Yeah. We're managing. Yeah. yeah. It's busy though. Was it a good day today? That's fine. It was busy. But it was fine. But you, it was busy. You know, the hard, busy. you know what the hardest part of the day is? Well, for me is getting the kids in the car <laughs> out of the car see, we have four car seats in a minivan it, yeah. is, it is hell you see the thing is though that for me once they're in the car seats yeah i know you have like 40 minutes they're strapped in they're strapped in they can't they can't hit each other <laughs> or scratch each other or like draw on a wall although or like they can poop their pants but you know but but your girls were doing a kind of um, a cappella just like, no, 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 no. They were just so loud. Like me and Luca talking. And they're just like, la, 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 just screaming at the top of their lungs. Like singing. Singing. But like, and, and you're just trying your best to we, ignore them. We, we try to ignore. Just have a conversation. And not like lose your mind. Yeah, not lose yeah. your mind. And Amazing. you're right on the edge. You're like, they're like, uh, Yeah, so Adrian, uh, we're talking about this and then just, Oh, this is great. Yeah. Uh, um, anyway. Before we started this episode, 
two weeks ago when we were having our last episode, uh, 30 <laughs> minutes ago, um, you were taking a much more important phone call. I was taking a phone call, yes. Uh, so how, how is your life going today? So just hang on. Let me just do a quick a quick thing. So Luke moved from. When did you move to being a? When did, what, what was the decision to move from PA slash actor dream? Okay. Oh right. To mm. camera assistant, move into the camera department, and be like, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this thing. Like I'm gonna be a DOP. Well, I don't want to be a DOP, a, but well, I, the trajectory is. The trajectory into was camera, PA, like, and then I actually jumped into being an assistant director. First. AD first. AD first. So I AD'd and I did commercials in Brisbane and and then it, it was hard to break in because the AD teams just stayed in, in the team in, in like they just stayed together and jumped from show to show to show because it's not that busy in Australia. Excuse me. So I started like day calling in camera because camera was interesting and it was um you know back in those days this was probably back uh, mid two thousands like two thousand five thousand six and so it was still film so i was loading 35 mil mm-hmm. on commercials um doing lots of short films in 16 and 35 so mm-hmm. uh, i'm one of the rare assistants nowadays working professionally that has a fair bit of film experience mm-hmm. um but yeah so then i just worked in the camera and then camera kind of pays a little more so i just kept on staying in camera and then uh then yeah just and then you, so you, you became a camera assistant? And then what, why, why did you move to Vancouver? What well, happened? Well, what, what is this... For, for yeah. people that don't know, like, what, is, what are the stages okay. of camera the camera department? department? Okay, so yeah. camera department... <clears throat> so there's... In North America... I'll say for North America, because it's a little bit different Britain, Australia, different systems, but yeah. generally North America, there's... It was called the second AC, the second assistant camera. And they're the ones basically with the silly look on their face with a slate that goes oh, 44 take one a mark <clears throat> and then slaps the sticks and they you know you have they to keep w- the notes they keep notes of what the what cameras the on the 40 mil and this take and what take two and they make sure, yeah they make sure the <clears throat> camera's got all the equipment it needs like the lenses Lens. the batteries yeah it's it's they're an assistant to the first assistant camera which is what i do now which is generally a focus puller so in every film, mostly every film ever made, the the focus of the camera that keeps it sharp is all manually controlled. So when someone you see someone walking down a hallway, there's someone on the camera that's going twenty five, turning, tw- tw- turning, turn, physically turning, turning the, the focus knob, turning a, a turning the barrel of the lens to go twenty five feet, twenty feet, seventeen feet, sixteen feet, fifteen feet, ten feet. 10 feet. As she's turning away, walking back, 10 feet, 10 feet, 12 feet, 14 feet, 15 feet. And they're manually controlling the focus from the subject from the camera. Because people say, hey, why isn't it just do autofocus? Well, you, it's subjective sometimes because, you know, you might want to, the camera's moving and there's another actor that comes in and you want to drive the focus back at a certain point or, or you've got, you need to switch the focus manually as the as the scene dictates, and so yeah. it's very creative. And with you know camera movement, like when you watch film behind the scenes films from the seventies and eighties, the big cameras, the cameras are generally very static, and it's just one shot. But nowadays with film and um, 
smaller cameras. The smaller cameras and shots. You know, when you watch the Peter, um, like Lord of the Rings, the shots are way more dynamic. There's like, and the camera comes in and pushes in, and then it pulls back out, and then it wraps around, and it comes back in. So cameras are way more dynamic nowadays, which is a very makes it very difficult for for camera systems focus pullers. So you need to be, um, it needs to be manual because you can't cameras and computers can't contr- can't yet really control keeping it sharp doing this push in and it's now listen yeah I don't know. not yet it'll get there it's and there's, get, there's it's things gonna become, it's gonna it, there's it things you can get, do to get there it will get to a point where you'll have a touch screen but when I think about it I think about like if I if I try to wrap my head around how it would be done with AI it would be like run the scene once and then just tell it what you want to focus on as you run through the thing and yeah. then the second time you do it it would just do it yeah uh and that is a you're right that may work except for the fact that there's human error in one the camera operator two the dolly grip three the actors one doing things completely different yeah every take yeah the most simple things like an actor's head turn you generally rack is there's two people talking here you generally rack focus on an actor's head turn. So the actor turns to look at someone, you'll see the focus go. Now, you know, the actors just do it randomly different every time. And they might even fake you out, like, go, you know, that's a good uh, um, good idea. And they just kind of little, like, give it a little bit and you go, you rack because you expect them to do the same thing, but they just kind of halved it and then they came back. And then you're like, oops, and you got to pull back. And then they go again and you're like, Rawr. And so you, the actors do it. The actors are the worst nowadays because they do it differently every time because they're given the freedom with technology to just do whatever they want. Because mm-hmm. there's no there's no film stock. There's no film the, stock. There's no hey just okay just just roll 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 roll. And they just like I oh, walk in and you know the Good actors luck. actors walk around everywhere and you're just like well they're going over here. And so that's what the skill comes in nowadays that I have like a quarter to half a second. To catch an actor doing something completely, completely random, and transfer it from me seeing it onto the camera lens, with very, very, with minute accuracy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. of got, it's, it, and you, it can't be like you don't want to go too far and come back. No, exactly. You got to be like make it look like it's intentional. Yeah, and so there's there's certain tips and tricks for doing it and, and getting away with it, but like you know it's. Anyway, it so you, it's very so, it's a very technical job, but has a creative element. Yeah. Um, so you, you started you started working for the camera department more and more yep. in Australia. Yep. And then. And then. Uh, Why Vancouver? Well, I I uh, packed up one day and I went and traveled the world, and then I was in Europe for about four months, and I went to Greece. On a Kentucky tour, and I no. met my wife on a dirty, no. dirty Kentucky tour. You moved to Vancouver for Megan. Well, Megan was a Megan was a was a was a, was a, a factor. Was a factor. It was a factor. I'd already oh. been to Vancouver at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I worked on Twilight and uh, some bits and pieces. <laughs> Name drop. And uh, <laughs> um, so I was already been you here. You better just you better just tell us all the big things you've worked on. Just get out of your system. Okay, I'll just undo my fly. Uh, no, there's there's not that many. It's not that. This is my film cock. It's as big as a baby's arm. Um, <laughs> Holding an apple. <laughs> um, so I met this 
I, I'd been here for a little bit, and then I had applied to the union. There's a camera-specific union, mm-hmm. and I got accepted. And I was like, oh, maybe I'll move to Vancouver. And then I met this Canadian broad in in um, in in uh, Greece, who was from Ontario. Remember Heather's friend. And uh, so I said, hey, I got a, this thing in Vancouver happening. Would you want to move to Vancouver? And she said, sure. And so then we moved out together and almost wow. 10 years later. Got... So she moved for you. She nice. moved from Ontario to BC for me. Best decision she ever made. Well, well it's, it's snowing here. It's miserable. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, <laughs> but let me tell you something. It doesn't rain all winter. That's true. In Ontario. And then do you know what? In summer... It gets over 23 degrees. It gets over 23 in BC. Oh, you can have a whole summer. I have a, I had whole summers in Vancouver where it doesn't even, where you have to take a sweater with you everywhere you go because it doesn't get hot enough. Guys, this is a film podcast. <laughs> sort of. It's not a competition okay. between Ontario and BC. Or is it? Or is it? <laughs> um, maybe you're right. I don't know. I, yeah, anyway, moved there and then I got stuck working camera. And after, what, nine years now? It is the with the rise of streaming. It is the busiest. Mm-hmm. It's been like we can't find enough people in camera department, mm-hmm. and therefore people that aren't skilled enough are getting jobs. And um, you know, it's crazy. It's not going to stop anytime soon. As what, what as as, as, as right, twenty nineteen. Give us. Mm. Can you give us? We'll cut this out. Can you give us examples of shows? With poor camera work. Where you're like, the people that are shit camera operators mm. worked on these shows. Are you are you able to do that? Or it's that, more is that, about... Is that rough? No, because with the ones that I've worked with? No. no it, it's or, like, or shit camera work. Just, um, well, like, well, the most, you, well, some of the most what, infamous ones... Are, as, you allowed to ha- are you allowed to have stories about shitty operators? Or not shitty, shitty operators, operators. But shitty, shitty camera departments. Shitty camera department. Give, give people a bad well, name. Well, one of the most infamous ones of, of you know, modern time is... Um, Interstellar, which is one of the brutal ones, because it's a film show, and with there's just oh, been so doing it. Yeah, because Christopher Nolan. It's Christopher Nolan. He's That's a big film guy, and there's yeah. a shot as everyone you'll see when Matt McConaughey he's crying. I think he's talking to Murph, the young girl in the bed, and he's crying, and he's kind of just leaning forward a little bit, and you'll see the focus just kind of push past his eye to his ear. And you'll see the focus just sit right here, and you'll see his eyes not quite sharp. That that right there is the epitome of a focus ball. And, wow. and it's a tough, it's a tough, it's a film show. And, and Adrian tough. and I, Adrian yeah. and I know the specifics of why that's tough. Because it's, because the thing is, with thirty five millimeter, you're not seeing the actual image. You're seeing like a like a well, smaller representation of what's going to be on deaf, the film, but, right? This could be standard deaf, but even film guys. The film guys just, they're doing on their instinct of yeah. how far away they Distance, is. like they measure the distance, right? So so they can't, like when you're doing digital, you're seeing the actual image. So you can see in in your monitor as right. an AC if it's sharp or out of focus. Whereas film, you can't see that. Okay. You, you so can't to really me, judge it. that's not a bad example. No. A, a bad example would be if you could see it. And it's still shoddy work. Yeah. I well, you can because the focus is here and his eyes are out of focus. And so mm-hmm. the focus is always going to go to the eyes. But, I mean, it's, you know, camera operating is subjective. You know, like the big, the classic one, Mr. Robot. And these shows like, which was a very odd mm-hmm. framing. I well, mean, they frame people at the bottom. Frame people at the bottom and it's kind of, 
uh, thing called um, what not? What's it called when you uh, Dutch tilt? No, yeah. when you uh, do uh, the a blind. Up. Yeah, you do. Um, the, you, you 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 do the sh- you short short side short siding, yeah. which is generally yeah. in. Uh, this is going to get technical in operating, but that's that, okay. That, well, first of all, what's when you're saying framing people at the bottom? What do you mean? Yeah, so you know the three quarter rule, like. So if, if I was in a frame right now, I'd be like here. So here's the top of the frame, right? And the bottom of the frame is here. So my eyes are like three quarters up the frame. Mm-hmm. Two but thirds, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, two thirds, sorry, two thirds. But like um, sometimes with some of the framing, like they, I think they started it in an English show called yeah. Luther. Right. Where they would do this. They put the guy at the bottom of the frame. And they did it for some wide shots. So you'd have like, and they'd even move it over. So like his head was in like the corner of the frame. And then there was like this empty frame, which was like really weird framing. Can I but just yeah. say, I really like that. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's you like it, it because it's interesting to your eye. And yeah. it's got to be done for the fresh. right thing. And it's still got to look like, you know, camera operating because people know like a camera operator, their job literally is just to point the camera. Yeah. You know, everything I else when to- people do that though, it, it feels to me, whenever I see something like that, feels to me like a decision. Mm-hmm. Yes. Not like, not, not like just standard uh, status quo. Mm-hmm. It feels like they've put that guy's head in the bottom left-hand corner mm-hmm. yes. and shown like the sky but, and this thing for like a weird reason. Yeah, that's, that's, um, we're talking about a specific example of embellishing that. Yeah. Now, there is varying lines and, and I'll, sh- I can show you an example on a show shot in <laughs> later and after I'll show you after this That's fine. Off, off camera of a perfect example of shitty operating yeah and yeah and um and you'll see it and that is that is a broadcast show like this show is everywhere so but <clears throat> part of the reason part of the thing I think Luke is it's, talking it's, about is like but but it's also like when, when he's talking about people coming up too soon yeah that's kind of what yeah. I mean. yeah he's like it's not really like the show would still get made and the audience might never know yeah. that there was something wrong. But inside the production world, the camera departments of Vancouver might be getting a bad yeah. reputation. And then this right because because it's not professional because it's they're stumbling over themselves because they're unable to do the job that they should be right because right. he's they're concerned they just they want productions to come to Vancouver. Yeah. So when you have a, a camera team that's like unable to do the job that's required of them yeah. people are like well we're not going to come back to vancouver and that's the concern mm. and that's more than like oh the camera operating is bad because like yeah, yeah they'll Ca- edit the show together and it'll look yeah. whatever the reason i'm late and two weeks ago you filmed that you recorded that other podcast <laughs> is i was having a conversation with a production manager of a show coming up now can you talk about the show at all because we yes we mentioned so. I think so. That the show was a big movie on Netflix. I'm not 100% sure it's Netflix. Oh, oh, we're talking about your other one then. Oh, Virgin River? No, no, no. The, <clears throat> the one that you were just you were just pulling out the, the document. Oh, it must be Netflix. Of course, I had Netflix on the title. Right, yeah. yes. Okay, it is Netflix. Uh, yes, I, at the moment, it's, it's called the Untitled Graham King Project. So okay. I know Graham Graham King is a producer who think did Bohemian Rhapsody, and is an English producer who's <clears throat> done a lot of stuff. You um, should. Uh, it also. Uh, you should get him a coffee. Sandra Bullock is producing it. No. Oh, she's uh, producing. She's producing. Yeah, she's producing. That's you, exciting. I 
I assume she's in the cast. She's gonna <clears throat> she's I gonna hecked in the I movie. Assume. Uh, yeah, so I don't know too much about it. Obviously, th- so the reason I was having the conversation is that I have to do my deal. They want me to do the deal, literally sign the bottom line on my deal before I get any information. Mm-hmm. So I don't know anything because I haven't done my deal yet. Because mm-hmm. I'm negotiating. Ah, excellent. But you don't you have your standard? You're just like, this is what I'm going to do it for because this is what I always do it for. No, because th- no, because there's the scale rate, which my union sets the rate. Mm-hmm. But then because it's busy and because I am me. You're excellent. I, well, I'm not excellent. Because I was in the elevator with Morpheus. Yeah, well, I am just saying, well, how about a little more? <laughs> and they go, yep. well, and I'm like, well, and they're like, well, and I'm like, well, well, and they're like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that is negotiating 101. Yeah. And so, <laughs> wow. Yeah. And so, you guys said a lot there. Yeah. yeah. It's not a lot. It's not a lot over, but yeah, you as, so in this one, I'm being the A camera first AC, which, sorry means, guys, I got to step away again. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> I have an important text. So on the, the A camera first AC, which Your means I essentially fine. am in charge of the camera department. So there's the cinematographer. Yeah. Who is in charge of the look and feel of the thing, of the movie. Yes. Through the, te- technically, like managing yeah. the technical things. Managing everything. It, this is a, a movie or a TV show? This is a movie. Okay. And the uh, cinematographer just did a, his latest project. It was a little film. I think it shot in London. It had this guy named Robert Downey Jr. in it. And it was called... Iron Man 4. No, Dr. Doolittle. Um, I heard I heard things about that. Yes, it's all over the internet. There's a lot of stuff on the internet, and he actually asked me to come to UK and do it. No story, no true story. Um, there's a lot of shit going on around the internet. So, directors, yeah, crazy. Yeah, it's it's had a lot of chaos, unfortunately. But um, wow. But uh, I did a little movie with him a couple of years ago with With the the, director, with the with the the DP DP, who uh, with uh, Catherine Zeta Jones, and we became good friends. And uh, so when the DP or you and Catherine, the DP, the DP, and so I did a good job, and he liked the way I did stuff. And um, so when he came back up with a bigger film, he gave me a call, which was very flattering because I don't generally do these kind of films, but he felt that you know he liked the way I did the way I run a department, the way I do things. And he called me for this big feature. So congratulations! Yeah, this is so, good. This is exciting. This is it's, this is it's, it's a big it's a big it's feature, a big, and it's yeah, and it's and like it's, it's important. It, it, puts like me, a, it kind of puts me into a next level. Not, oh, it does. Well, when people say when people see my name on, they're gonna go that guy. All right. Yeah, but because people, my reputation precedes me. Being a filthy Australian, but what um, what is your reputation in Vancouver as the Luke Barlow? Uh, uh, let me tell, let me, a lot let of me, DITs don't like me. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you. I'll what, tell you what a, a DOT? DIT. DIT is a digital imaging technician. Okay, uh, or a DIT. Um, and why don't they like you? So they're on set. So the camera, the camera. This is juicy. I like this. The, the camera image gets sent from the camera to Video Village, where the director's sitting. And in Video Village is the digital image technician who is like making sure that the image looks good for the director and that the, I don't know, that the input is... That, um, that, that the image is protected through the post-production process. So the image that you're capturing is going to be good for post-production. Yeah. So that's where it started, but the DIT position has evolved and it's, 
gotten very because sometimes they actually take the data and they manage the data. So, okay. which is a very important. You take the card out of the camera and you copy it. You make Onto three the copies, hard drives. hard drives. You make copies, three copies. But and that was part of their job. That was you look after the data. But nowadays they shuffle that job onto minions, mm-hmm. and they just sit and kind of do this. It's called onset color grading. Um, but really. Yeah, they do. It's called live grading or live onset color grading. Because the thing is, that, like, what what the director is... Because let's say, for instance, you're recording raw in the camera. What the director wants to see in the monitor is not raw. Right. The director wants to see as close as possible to what the final image is going to look like so that and they the, can and the producers, make decisions. And the, right? the producers want to see what the DP's got in mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because if they see something different on set and then They're not gonna six, know. six months later, he does a color grade and it's like, completely different yeah. they're like well that's not what we saw on set yeah, exactly and so it, I understand the position of why it's there it's kind of yeah. it's on set it's live grading for dailies color grading so the dailies the, the what you shoot that day gets sent all up the studio and everyone can view it mm-hmm. so it's important don't get me wrong but it can be changed it, it is something that can be changed later on and especially in a film like this they're going to do what's called a color grade in three and four months when the edit's done and they're going to micromanage every right. little grade and it's going to be perfect. Right. So the fact that it can be changed later means that, to me, that it's not as important to hold up the filming process for for his... This, this individual... This individual's subjective taste of how he thinks it should be. Because with the rise of their power becomes the rise of their ego and their pay scale and and it creates a conflict because the one thing you can't change in post is the focus. And so if, and as my job as focus puller, if they impede in any way or form my job, because my job getting focused, sharp is important, then their Luke's job is changes later, then yeah, yeah. I'm going to cut you. Right. I'm I mean, gonna, I mean, you're going to go to war. I even one day, there was a, I even one day, because they upset me that much, is that we had to plug in the camera to this village and it was in my way and I said, we can do this better. And he said, no. And I just got a knife and I just cut the cable. Because it, it didn't matter. What he wanted, you well, know, but I'm, but I'm ballsy. And that's why they hate me. But Yeah. So th- this is what I, you said. His reputation precedes him. Luke is like, he's gruff. He's going to tell you exactly what he thinks. And he's, he's I, gonna, I tend to say gonna, open and honest. Yeah, <laughs> that's a very nice way of putting it. But like, but you not, told him he had a nice mustache. Not yeah, open I and do. Honest. I love the mustache. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but like, I, and I wouldn't say like, but the, like the more people with a more sensitive sensibility might find Luke a little abrasive. Canadians, <laughs> sorry, might <find laughs> Canadians. My, might find there's Luke. only one fucking Canadian in this room. Yeah, well, totally. He, he and I, we get each other. <laughs> yeah. Just a little abrasive. They'd be like, oh, "What the fuck? He's so rough." But, yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's it, it's it, anyway. So I was just on the phone call having a conversation because there's a DIT employed on this job, who I've worked with in the past, and I just had to let the guy on the phone call was the production manager or producer that. We have history, and if he gets in my way, I'm going to cut him. <laughs> That's what I told him. So put something in my contract. Yeah, I said, I know this guy, and you know, if he's, you know, 
we have to have a conversation before we get started. We're going to have a conversation that's going to implement who has the power in the department. And I've worked with the DP, and he hasn't. And if he wants to rumble, I'll I'll call the DP right now, and I'll get him fired. So, yeah, I I have. Is that what you said to him? Yeah, I said I have the power in this department, and I, if he starts stuff and starts throwing his ego about what he wants. I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to, it's going to cause a power struggle and I'm going to come down on him. Now, wow, and first I'll, of all, win. amazing. Wow, that's a lot of, that's a lot of politics. It's all politics because he, there's, the producer, there's a lot of, there's, because the producer and the PM hired the D, the D, the DIT, not Guillermo. Oh, and you know Guillermo personally. Yeah, because so I did another movie with him and he called me to this guy and said, Luke, you do the show? Yeah, I'm like, yeah. And it, like his son is going to operate B camera and you know, I'm get, and his son and I talk all the time. We're good friends, and I built the camera crew. So I'm in charge of six people in charge of his camera department, and the DIT is on his own little thing. And if he wants to go, and if he wants to rumble, it's I've got six people that I'm, I'm, I'm managing. About. I'm worried about his decisions influence these six people. Mm-hmm. It does seem like there's a lot of politics on film sets. Oh, it's all politics. It's politics all the way up. Like even a DP to the director to the it's. There's someone above you all the way up, mm-hmm. and it's you know it's even easier it's easier on set than it is up up top. Up top is really the above the it line. It's all really politics. ruthless, you know. And especially all well, well, the prime example if you've got someone like Sandra Bullock who's acting but also producing, then say you have a director comes in, but the director's not on board not on board in producing, and he says, you know, Sandra, why don't you try it like this? And she says, no, mm-hmm. and you're like. Well, okay, okay then, <laughs> because You're like that take was excellent. Yeah, that that's, was great, that's Sandra. Funny. Yeah, that was brilliant. So, but that's a, that's a classic example of. But then Sandra it's true. It's true. has employed the that director, director for, his, for, his for his vision. Yeah, that's tough. So, like, that's a prime example of that dynamic that is happening at that upper echelon where you're like, you, "Do you, you want know. me to do this thing or not?" Yeah, exactly. But, but, you, but you know what the thing? No, but you do you want this to be directed by me or directed by you? Sort no, of an idea, no, right? But here is the here is the way that that can be managed because that's an excellent example. But like the way that it can be managed is do it my way because Sandra can always just get the one she wants and then yeah. change it in the edit because she's the producer, so she'll she's going to be, be there, there. Right? and the director be there too. And that's right. Like this kind of film, just get both of them. Let's your, let's get both version, because you never know the way I version. the way I want it might you might love it, it later. Might love it, yeah. And that's film- happened with me. I have said that to people before. I've been like, no. Well, I don't want that. And then we end up doing it, and I'm like, in the edit, I'm like, thank goodness we yeah. did that. that we Ooh, did that. Really? Yeah, I know. 100%. I, I have been wrong. I've been wrong about things that more I was, times than you're right. No, <laughs> never. But well, like, I will say, I have been even wrong though, about stuff that I'm adamant about. That I'm like, no, we will not need to do it this way. We'll and not then need we, singles. Then we do it, and well, then I'm like, thank goodness we did it. I will say that. I don't have tons of experience, but there have been a couple times where I'm like, we're going to do it like this. And then it worked out later. I like, uh, in Bickerman's Grove when I was like, okay, when everybody's getting upset, I was like, here's what we're going to do. We're just going to go do, we're going to stop each time and get each person's thing. Yeah. yeah. Right. And go. Yeah, yeah. Oh, damn. Did that scene. help? Yeah, you're, you're totally stop right. and go, uh, see rolling. Just get it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just get every line. Do you know, you know who's the master of that? Who? Uwe Boll. Really? <laughs> oh, yeah. Who is Uwe Boll? He's, he's, he's the guy that, German like... director. Yeah, he, he did, like... Uh, he did Postal, first of all. Yeah. Oh. So Dragon, that's how we're connected. Dragon Siege. 
he did it like a but he's he's, he's bunch, done like a bunch of famously shit movies i yeah. guess is the is yeah. the idea but but the thing is is like uh, they wrong. say they also say that he's had like mob german mob money or yeah. russian mob money or whatever yeah, something, yeah. whatever who knows so, who so fuck you, knows he was the king of the stop and go yeah because that's how you get a scene re- a really complicated scene well, really quickly yeah well he gets like like i've done two films with him now and um it's it's really interesting like because he'll just scream from the village like even the actors because he gets the actors on board like come do my show and like okay he's like no stop it no say the line say the line no say it better no say it more angry okay good move on no next guy now you say your next line <laughs> and we're still rolling the camera's like what, what, are, we, what are we doing and he's like he's just screaming from the village um so it's it's pretty um sounds pretty cool and then the actors get snipey and they come back and he's like <laughs> Fuck you, Wolverine. He's like, fuck you. Say the line. <laughs> <laughs> like it's, it's hilarious. I'm it's, gonna remember. Fuck you. Say the line. Yeah, that is excellent. Yeah, it's it's hilarious. Uh, yeah. and that's great. Yeah. I mean, it's the thing is, the, what's what's funny is that it's kind of, it's a life that nobody else is living, at yeah. all. Is this? It's fun. Fuck you. Say the line. If that's in your life. You've got an interesting fucking life. Oh, you know. I mean, mean, the guy has made a lot of movies. Yeah, and well, you yeah. heard the the classic thing was that someone gave him a bad review, and then he said, "Yeah, well, if I, you want to let's fight." And so he got That's this right. critic, and the critic said, "Well, I'll fight you." And he goes, "All right, let's go." And so he, they set it all up. This film critic jumped in a boxing ring with him, and he he's like, a, you know, he, he works out on set, and he got in and just beat the piss out of this guy. He's like a thumb. Like like he just. Beat the he just just got into him and just beat the piss out of him and they go is it is it on video yeah it's on YouTube yeah like first of all here's the guy oh I mean you no critic gets into the ring with that guy he looks like a UFC fighter (laughs) yeah he he owns a restaurant in Vancouver a German restaurant Blood Rain in the name of the King Rampage Postal Alone in the Dark like yeah. the new one with with the no 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 the one where the guy shoots all the people yeah okay. I did one called Rampage Sud- Two. I did Rampage suddenly. Three. Did one called suddenly with Assault Ray- on with Wall Street. Ray- Ray Liotta. Mm. Oh, cool. like, and cool. you'll appreciate this as a filmmaker. So we're shooting up in Squamish, BC. It must have been like end of October, November kind of time. So it was cold. We're shooting. It's like it's sunny, but it's kind of cold. So we're shooting this house. It's also this one house because when it's in that kind of budget level, you shoot the whole film in like three weeks. Mm-hmm. In this house, okay, it's sunny, 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 and the whole film is set in one day. Mm-hmm. It's a remake of some Frank Sinatra movie where the, the president comes to town and this, this this these terrorists kind of set up in a house that has a sniper view and they're going to try and kill the president or something. And so we we shoot like three quarters of the movie at this house and then on like the fourth last day it snows and so the entire like a lot of snow and so the entire house and all the house everything is just covered in snow we just kept shooting <laughs> I don't know, I don't know. I re- to this day I haven't I never watched it and then it cuts like that night and we're down downtown school and we're shooting the president coming up and it's, just, it's like a foot of snow everywhere and like literally like two hours la- earlier it's like sunshine and there's nothing mm-hmm. everywhere. Like I, I still don't know how they, because we were jumping, jumping between scenes. I was like, that yeah, is, yeah, that back is. Back and forth all over the place. They were just blowing out. You know, you, 
the classic if you're inside you blow the window out of light so you don't see out the window well, what was the name of the movie mm. remember suddenly suddenly yeah I'll have to check it out and yeah. see how they how they cut it together that's really interesting I'm, I'm intrigued to see just a shot of snow and then maybe in the edit you can you can make it work I don't know it's uh, tough it's tough so um, so Luke uh, you're busy working on uh, well give ne- us ne- give us Netflix series called but- Virgin River season 2 it's based on a romance novel. It's good. It's good. Martin Henderson is a Kiwi. It's good, a, it's it's Netflix's foray into Hallmark style romance. Yes, they're going deep. They're doing one in Atlanta now called Sweet Magnolias with Britney Spears' sister Jamie Lynn Spears, isn't that my mm-hmm. buddy Matt Drake's producing that? Okay, and uh, yeah, they they big. There's mass market there. Mm-hmm. There's Hallmark has got their channel, the Christmas movies that. You know, and they are they channel. are making lots and they, of they make, money. They must you've be. all you've all seen them. And yeah. so and so Netflix looking at yes you have. So Netflix You've seen you Hallmark movies have. and watches Hallmark movies. So you have seen them. Um, they are in you. They are in you right now. I mean I've walked past them while they've been on TV. I mean I've worked on at least seven. <laughs> Amazing. Least seven. I was in one. Just Were recently. You? Yeah. Yeah. This is the one this is the one. That I told oh, you the shot here. The shot here at the airport, you grounded got, for Christmas. You got to get on that. Yeah. Well, he C- was called the executive. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not the executive. We know the executive producer. producer. Yeah. You got to. I gave him. I gave him some what's what. Yeah, he told me what we should do. Well, let's talk about that next podcast. Next podcast. Ooh, okay. Uh, uh, because there it, has to be a break in between this podcast and next podcast. Well, more yeah, because I got to. I got to piss as well. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's got. I got to. When everyone needs horse. to piss. Yeah, I'm about, I'm about, it's all, I'm about it's to stand the end up. of the show. I'm just going to stand up and like. So so anyway, Luke, you, you, what is what is your plan? Well, we're going to get into. Cause yeah, because the, the next episode we want to talk about it. stuff. stuff. But but what I would I would dreaming. love to hear just just drop a couple more things over the last. So while you've been in in BC, yep. give people like a couple amazing give like a couple amazing things you worked on and maybe like oh. a fucking dope story. That like uh, one okay. note, uh, one story. story. Like, tell us how much of an asshole somebody in particular okay. is. So, somebody who's sweet. Someone who's sweet, as in someone sweet who's great. No, no. Like, tell us someone that we would think is sweet. That's a super a hole. Oh, that's oh. the juiciest stuff. Oh, that, well, way, like, like that way, we can when we write our blog posts that are like, you'll right. never believe so, what Keanu oh. Reeves is like in the Ooh. bathroom. So. What is? I did. Lucifer was a big one. Oh, I did Lucifer I season one and two. That's yeah. my favorite. Yeah. So I've. Still in contact with uh, Kevin Aliandro, who plays the cop. That's so cool. And uh, Lauren, even Lauren, I text now and then. Who That's plays? Awesome. She's number two. She plays Chloe Decker. Are you drunk when you text her? No, hey, like because and uh, one this? and one of my good one of my best friends is was Tom's stand-in on the show, and him and Tom are really good friends. Like he went to Tom's wedding to Megan Oppenheimer, and um, they they have projects going. Oh, I could drop it. That's a that's a juicy nugget. No, I can't drop that. Oh, there's, hey, there's, there's. So, I'll just, I'll just say this. Tom Ellis was in Vancouver last week filming something for a some kind of crossover. I heard a rumor. Oh my God! It's a Lucifer Constantine crossover. What is that? What's Constantine? What? Don't be stupid. I, that the counter, but that's counter Reeves. Well, I mean, it's also a TV show and it's a comic book, isn't it? Yeah. Hellblazer. Yeah, that's not filmed here. 
know. I don't know where it's from. Constantine? I Listen, I don't know. Anything. Okay. Anyway, uh, yeah. So Tom, Tom's great. That, and that crew were awesome. Tom is great. It was such a fun crew. I it's know a he wants for Supergirl crossover. Isn't that film in BC? It totally is. Yeah. Boom. Holy shit. Maybe, maybe. The Flash is anyway. going to fight the devil. Maybe it's like, could it be um, like a Virgin River? Hey, <laughs> <laughs> you are probably, <laughs> probably not. No. Um, it good. Lucifer, I did this sci-fi show last year called Another Life, which is on Netflix right now. It's got... Um, oh, I think I've that? heard of it, but yeah, I, I haven't it's, watched it. It's, it's fantastic. Cool. <sighs> Another Next, Life. Another Life. Okay. Um, My 14-year-old son loves Lucifer. Yeah, this was like it was a fun show. The cast were great. Yeah, um, and we were really bummed that it, it went to LA um, because I did two years on it, so it was great. Uh, what else I did? Um, I can't remember. Like just, just I can't a lot of more TV. Um, Once upon a time in Wonderland, which was the Alice in Wonderland spin-off of Once Upon a Time. I think it aired like three episodes before it got cancelled. Um, did another series called Grace Point. Which was a remake of a British show called Broadchurch. Oh, you do. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a US Broadchurch is excellent. Broadchurch is excellent. So Dave Tennis, uh, Dave Tennant, Broadchurch is excellent. Dave Tennant played oh, reprised he, his role oh. in a US remake. And did he do, did he do an American accent? Yes. Oh, it got better as episodes went on. Let me tell you something. Very excellent. Yes, uh, it's excellent. called Grace Point. Hard to find. Many great cast. Many, many, like a mini series. It mini was, series, yeah, yeah ten yeah. episodes. Uh, Nick Nolte, Michael Pena, yeah, uh, Virginia, good. Virginia Cull. She was awesome. A guy named Kevin Rankin, who's great. He's on the list for season one too. He's a great actor. He was in Dallas Buyers Club too. Oh, became good buddies with him. He's a good dude. Um, yeah, and uh, Anna Gunn uh, from uh, Breaking Bad, who played Skylar in Breaking Bad. She played the uh, Olivia Coleman female detective role. She's great. Olivia Coleman? Or Anna Gunn? Yes, Anna Gunn. Yeah. I like, <laughs> I like, well, I don't know what she's like in real life, but I'm just saying that tough. I love actors and actresses who you hate, hate yeah. on TV. Yeah. Because she I'm has like, that. She was really, she was really nice, but yeah, it was a tough, tough show. And, and that's another thing people maybe don't I know is that working on, heavy content mm. like that like you know people seen Broadchurch is about this kid that dies and the, the, the who the, is the killer who's the killer and attacking the uh, you know and how it um how the town kind of it's just heavy it's heavy dark drama and it makes working on it really heavy and dark and so it's it, it, like because everybody gets into it kind of well he just people like oh, okay you don't want to talk to the actors too much because they're in the moment and mm-hmm. so it, was a, you don't want I, people making light and cracking jokes when they got to be sad. Yeah, yeah, or angry. Yeah, 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 so it was really weird. And so the dynamic between Anna and Dave was kind of on and off. And um, but most of the supporting cast were really good. But it was just a, it was so dark and heavy. We shot in Victoria for six months. So I moved oh, over smart. there for six months. It was great. You did yeah with children? No, this was like before four, children. Six years BC? ago. Yeah, and then um, that's <laughs> good. And then, uh, yeah, that was, that was a big one. But it was just dark. And then after doing Lucifer, where it's fun and light, it was... Now I just try and stick to comedies <laughs> dramas. I don't do... You know, I get offers to do other shows, but I ask, you know, what's the content? And now they're night shoots. <laughs> and now they're like, you have to sign on the dotted line and agree to do it before we yeah. tell you what it's all about. Yeah, exactly. And you're like, fuck. 
Yeah. That's a new, but, a new but if they say it's a it's a psychological horror filmed at night in the Langley or something, I'm like, nope. <clears throat> Not interested. Well, I got, uh, yeah, I got, I got, I got a, yeah, I won't say that. I got, I got, I got some offers. Listen, Netflix, that Netflix, Mindhunter season three is coming and. No, no, no. Well, it's, well, that was the other podcast. We'll tell a story about Stephen King coming up. Another show, Stephen King. But we're going to talk about your hustling. I'm a hustler. And uh, what you're doing outside of the camera department to try yep. and make your dreams come true. Do you want to do that now? No, well, I need to schwaz. Yeah, I need to too. But yes. So listen, this is the end of this episode, Boca which Loco. is an, an epic episode, talking to Luke Barlow, first camera assistant from Vancouver. And uh, before we wrap up, can you hang on for two more minutes? Here we go. Oh, yes. Three Desert Island movies, Luke. Movies that you would want to watch over and over and over again if you could only choose three. Oh. See, they have, have to watch them over gen- and over and over that's again. It. See, that's Generally, the killer. They, they can't be your favorite movies of all time. Well, they could, but they got to be. It's like the guilty pleasure movies. Yeah, the but, movies that you well, don't mind my, watching. My big guilty pleasure movie is The Boondock Saints. Mm-hmm. That's excellent. What that's an excellent like, oh, I just. Movie. Oh, I just I love watching. Yeah. Um, when he rips the toilet out the floor, and, I and the sound for this, the, and I I've, and I've seen, time, I was like, I've seen overnight. This is so I've seen when overnight, see, and when I you know see William what it's like. De, Willem Dafoe, and he leans over, and there's a dude in his bed, and you're like, oh. yeah, oh, it's the best. No, have you seen overnight? The making. Yeah. Oh, so, you, so I know, good. so I know how bad it went down, but. Oh, I just love it. The the soundtrack too, which the soundtrack really works. Yeah. And you know that Troy's band seen made the soundtrack. Boondock Saints too. Yeah. Because oh, so I went terrible. to see it in the theater. I oh, said so right, and I was like, Fuck. Oh. so terrible. Yeah. That was so. I was so sad. Um, so that's one second movie. I don't even know um, how. But I have to be something sci-fi. And you know, I might even do Fifth Element. Mm. That is. An you know, good because you know Adrian I, often reminds people. That you might need something that you can wank to. So That's a good, good choice. You might, if you're yeah. on a desert island, you might need something that um, gets you a little going, yeah, gets bit, you going. Well, I didn't think of that, but I just love Fifth Element. Like it's just, it's got so much in it. Mm-hmm. Chicken. <laughs> yeah. Uh, three. Mm, you know, I'm a big Star Wars fan. I want to do some Star Wars film, but I just can't. Bring myself, man. Do one. If I had to do one, obviously it's got to be Empire. But, but, mm. I read a lot of the prequel novels around Rogue One, so I know a lot more of the extra backstory around Rogue One. So I don't mind it, but I hated the way it was shot because it was wide open and film and just in out of focus. And I, I actually it. loved Rogue One. Yeah, so Rogue One's in there. Um, you, do you know what? And it it would t- as a focus puller, he was noticing the focus. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think something like that. Maybe something like Amelie or something. I don't know, like mm, something, something romantic. Something just a little something soft funky. And tender. Because Amelie again is one of those movies that has a lot. Oh, that's an a, excellent movie. Have you never lot? seen it? Well, it has a lot. Like you can watch it. My favorite movie for a long time. You can watch it five times right now, and you can pick up something different, like some subtext. Amelie Amelie was one of my favorite movies, along with Fight Club. 
Like mm. it was like Fight Club yeah. was like yeah, Fight Club's another good one. And Amelie was like on the other side of the spectrum. It was just mm. a different side of the spectrum, and just beautiful, gorgeous. And you just fell in love with this girl, right? Or, I mean, it's been I, I, sitting on my shelf for like oh, you know. You, you know what I would do? Oh, Even uh, Parasite, the new um, Boone, the Korean film Parasite that just won at Cannes this year. Oh, oh it is fantastic. It's good. Oh yeah, cool. It's shot beautifully, and it's such a weird film. Oh, it's okay. great. I like that. Maybe something stuff. weird that keeps your keeps your mind yeah parasite over thinking. It's great. I don't want to be looking over my shoulder on a desert island. We watch that tomorrow. Mm-hmm. On, yeah, with yeah, the yeah. girls. Yeah. I might have to pick Shutter Island. Shutter Island might be one of mine. Yes, you said that a couple of times don't in passing. Me, don't make me slap your face. Okay. And Next it. podcast, whoever's left. <laughs> that was the living, the All person right. who survived the fight. That was episode seventy-two. Thanks, Luke. No, and thank we'll you for having me. It's we'll been awesome. Again, it's gonna be amazing. I know we're gonna go change our pants, and then we'll be right back. Dream big. Work hard. Get in the chair and ride it. <laughs> Thanks for watching. First frames first. Yes. First frames first. Thank you, Jason. Welcome. If you enjoyed, head over to our website, www.thefableforest.com. Check out our films and sign up for our newsletter where we will send you exclusive content. Hit us up on our socials, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, always at The Fable Forest. And share our show with your friends. It'll really help us out a lot. Dream big. Work hard.